0: We are back with another Black with No Cream podcast. New episodes every single Sunday. I'm your host, Ben Haggerty, aka Ben Rivers World. On today's episode, I sit down with one of my longest friends and top dogs at the company EA Games, aka Electronic Arts, aka EA Sports. It's in the game, Marcus Christie. Marcus is the head of influence at EA and is overseeing projects for almost every single EA game that they have. Marcus is also a YouTuber who has been killing the game and testing new types of ways to create for YouTube. Now, to take this back, Marcus and I met while I was in high school working at a car wash in Cedar Falls, Iowa. He was the first person to actually help me start making hip hop music when my group schooled and is one of those dudes who has been giving me years and years of mentorship, which I'm forever thankful for. Fast forward to now, Marcus actually introduced me to EA Games and allowed me to direct my first true large, big budget branded video for Madden. We've worked on several projects since then and are always finding new ways to create and push the bar. In this podcast, we bounce all over the place to find out how Marcus got this amazing position at EA. He shares some of the times he has hit rock bottom as a creator, but was determined to find a way out. He started at the bottom level position at EA and managed to build great relationships, put in thousands and thousands of hours every year, and literally created his own position overseeing dozens of employees now marcus works to share his knowledge in the gaming industry through his podcast the creator's toolkit go download it i highly suggest you subscribe and listen to what he has to say he has an army on youtube known as the dots which follow his m.frisk channel that he created just from dedicating a few hours a week to the channel he's gained over 11,000 subscribers in less than a year and has over 1.6 million Views on all of his videos. Make sure to stay tuned today because you're going to learn a lot of shit from Marcus's story. I highly recommend not shutting this podcast the fuck off. If this is your first time tuning in the podcast, you're probably wondering what does black with no cream fucking stand for? What does that mean? Black with no cream is a private content creator group fueled by caffeine. Or at least I take my coffee black with no cream. But you can drink or not drink whatever caffeine you fuck with and still be a part of our community. We are a private group on Facebook open to creators of all kinds, a.k.a. if you make videos, if you're a photographer, if you do marketing, management, editing, dancing, I don't know, fucking want to fly to space because I've had an astronaut on the show. All creators are welcome. Our private group has been growing rapidly. We have a shit ton of members working together by sharing content, asking for feedback, passing tips and tricks along to one another with the goal of pushing each other to become the best motherfucking content creators on earth. And you can join our group if you want to by going to bwnc.com slash join. We would love to have you. Please join. If you're interested in supporting Black Window Cream, please go to Cream.com slash merch. We have hats, shirts, stickers, pins. And if you're listening to this right now, I'm going to drop a fucking early bomb on y'all. I just got Black Window Cream coffee mugs. I'm not going to post photos of them yet. You'll hear this before that's out on the internet. But if you listen, you now know that I have fucking a bunch of coffee mugs sitting in my house that I'm going to put up on the web store soon so pay attention to that. If you don't have money I totally get it. Just go to iTunes and leave me a review. That's all I ask. Just hop on iTunes leave me a review. Let me know what you think of the podcast what I'm doing right what I'm doing wrong. Any tips, tricks all that shit to making this podcast better I'm listening man. It's for us you know so do that. Uh, That's it. Um, Enjoy the work week. I'm currently, it's 2am I'm just pointing this out. It's 2am Friday night, I'm in my closet recording this podcast intro because I have to get up in three and a half hours to get ready to go to Joshua Tree for a weekend getaway where I will not have my podcast shit so I had to record this intro right now Um, and I just got done shooting for 13 hours on set with the superstar and I can't talk about that at all but today was a good day for me, I just want to point that out to everyone. Um, yeah, so anyway, that's it. Enjoy the work week. Keep creating. Make sure to tune in every Sunday for a new Black Window Cream episode. And without further ado, I bring to you my interview with Marcus Frisky and the most epic podcast intro ever created right motherfucking now!
1: Attention. If you stop this podcast recording at any time, you will die. I don't want to die. Do you want to live? Yeah. You have 24 hours to share this podcast with five people or you will die. I'm kidding. You won't die. You're just weak shit for not sharing. And the winner of the best motherfucking podcast goes to... Goes to... Black with no cream. What do you it's think? It's
0: so fucking dumb and so fucking Ben I knew you would say that. We are back with another motherfucking Black with no cream podcast. Yeah. Again. I'm kind of killing it right now. This is like... I don't know in order what I, how it releases, but I think this is like my 14th, 15th podcast. That's pretty dope. But today, I have a special guest. One of my longest friends, Marcus Frisky, a.k.a. Marcus Aurelius, a.k.a. <laughs> M.frisk. <laughs> M. Frisk, a.k.a. He's got all kinds of different fucking names, but true, it's Marcus. True. You can call him Marcus. What's up, Yo.
2: dude? Yo, what's up? What's no, up? It's good nothing. to be here. Yeah. yeah. Now we're... I
0: don't even know where we're at, somewhere in Los Angeles, (laughs) but we out here. Yeah, we're at my office (laughs) in Century City, uh, chilling in a boardroom, hanging out me and Marcus. Um, Let's just see, how do I breathe this for you? Marcus is like one of the dudes at EA Sports or EA Games. You want me to give you? That has some clout. You want want me to give you the 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 talking point? Yeah, go. What do you do? So Are you going to? What? How you going to do this? Do you cut? Hell no, I don't cut. This okay. is live. <laughs> this is live. Okay. I fucking get it now. Uh,
2: so two things. Two things. Um, head of social influencer content at EA. Yep. So those uh, that create on social. So all you'll do is looking for a brand deal. Uh, I'm your guy. Second. <laughs> second his email is. Yeah. <laughs> his phone number is. Yeah. Uh, secondly, um, a dude responsible on reaching Gen Z. So you got... Gen Y, Gen X, Millennials, and Gen Z. Gen Z is 18 and younger. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the kids,
0: Yeah. as you say. The kids. Yeah, so. So he's got a lot, he's, you know, got a lot of power at EA and, you know, can throw his weight around and do cool shit and travels the world because of his job. But, it wasn't all fucking easy to get was there. It never,
2: it was, it's definitely not been easy.
0: I've known Marcus Since I was in high school, which is actually really tight if you look at shit now, because back in the day we both met at a car wash, right? And we both worked at this car wash at a dealership, washing cars. He played baseball for the university. I played nothing in high school. And (laughs) played nothing.
2: (laughs) You played instruments. I played instruments. Yeah, the the T-Mobile mobile mobile flip phone. I remember that. No, No. the fucking sidekick, homie. The sidekick. Oh yeah, savage.
0: But instantly, me and Marcus became friends over some mu- music shit, and then uh, fast forward to now, we are where we are, and we work together a lot, but it's sick, <clears throat> and I'm glad to have you on the fucking show, because this dude has so much fucking wisdom, he has, a, he has his own podcast, what do you call your podcast?
2: Uh, Creator's Toolkit. Creator's Toolkit, yeah. pretty
0: fucking self-explanatory, he will literally teach you everything about being a creator, um, he, he works with a shit ton of YouTubers. Mm -hmm. Like, on average, how many YouTubers are you guys, like, responsible with as far as, like, partnering with and shit Man,
2: I think so. In the last five years, um, if I were to ballpark it, I'd say between 500 to 1,000. 500 to 1,000 fucking individual people. that probably another ballpark, probably reach subscriber count, 100 million or more.
0: 100 million people. Yeah,
2: so, um, and so I think the, and why I think, what you're doing is, is tight. And then also like kind of what I'm trying to do is that I learned that even no matter where you're at as a creator, like you always need help. Mm-hmm. Like everyone all the way a step of the way needs some level of help uh, or like validation that they're going the right path. Right. Like, I mean, I, I talk to dudes all the time that, you know, millions, hundreds of thousands of subscribers and they're like, yo, hey, you know, what do you think about this thumbnail and title? And like, hey, you know, like, dude's running up to you. Like, hey, what did you shoot that with? Right. And it, it's one of the craziest thing ever. And I think the number one thing that I've realized is that those that have made it were crazy enough to think they could make it. Mm. Um, and that's really the delta, like, between making it and not. It's not the talent. It's, you know, not, it's sometimes not even the work ethic. It's just, did you do it? Are you passionate about it? Do you do it over and over and over and over again? You know because you you know you just it just like did you do it or did you not? Right. For how long a time? Um, and you know it's a it's a time game. You know it's like I I said this on one my specific podcast. But if you were if someone told you you can only move one step a day for the rest of your life, walk one step. The whole step, you'd be like, man, this is terrible. I'm making no progress. But if you really were to look at it over time, 10 years from now, you would have walked from here, Los Angeles, to Florida. And that's substantial. Yeah. But when you're doing it and going through it, it feels like you're making doing nothing. Right. Everybody wants to get to California, to Florida, in, like, days. But there's no such thing as overnight success. Yeah, there's no such thing as overnight success. That's true. And those that have just said, you know what? I really like going a step at a time and just doing it are the ones to make it. Uh and so I mean this, you know what you're doing, creator's toolkit um is about like
0: trying to inspire, motivate and give help. I love it too cuz Marcus has always been one of the like wizards behind everything. <laughs> like every time I that's how we became friends just because instantly we both knew we were on the same wave even though like I was a few years younger than him. I'd be in high school and he worked at like our nightclubs in Iowa or whatever at the university and he'd be sneaking me in and and I'd be kicking (laughs) it with all these older kids and like I didn't drink and shit. So I'd just be at the club like, ah, and you know, I mean, Marcus is like working and but what fast forward, like I love thinking about how, where we came from Mm because we can get into that. But to where you are now, what would you say? How did how did you get into? Because what's interesting is you don't have you don't have millions of subscribers. Yeah. You don't have millions of followers on Instagram, Twitter, whatever the shit is. You started you started a channel mm-hmm. that's actually picking up steam, and you got like what ten thousand yeah. subs and
2: Yeah, I think in the I think in total in like a year, like one and a half million views. One and a half um, million
0: views on a channel that has no ties to EA though, right?
2: No, no, no. no. That's tight. Um, just you know, just to, I mean just to like try and flex a little bit like to create like i mean who am i to work with creators and i don't even do it myself Mm. like that's one thing i've always said to myself like i will never be this suit that sits in the high like high castle and like looks and says we should do this and that and like never actually do it right and so i've made a commitment just like you know what like if there's used out there they're gonna make daily content i'm gonna do it because when I sit across from them and have a real conversation, like we're going to be on the same page and I can tell, like, yeah, Um, like I can hundred percent like feel that now a year into like really going ham on it. Like I, you know, that 1.5 million or those 10,000 subscribers, like they have like weight behind it. And I'll look to someone that has 10, 20, 100 K and I'm like, damn, like that's work. Yeah, but like a lot of people, and maybe brands, just see like a number. They're just like, oh, he's not big enough, or ah. they don't see like the passion, the hard work that goes into it. So, um, I mean, that's something I've always really focused on, and I think this last year, two years, is like looking at that more, like trying to be more in tune with the you know those that I'm working with. Right, um, like has really helped me in uh, like just being able to see the future. Yeah. Uh, it's cause it's weird. Like there's, you don't, you don't know what you don't know until you know it. Right. Uh, and you kind of got to be in it to know it.
0: So, so you, I mean, you work with one of the fucking biggest gaming companies in the world, right? Like, mm-hmm. is it the one of the biggest?
2: So I think Activision's number one publisher, electronic arts is second. Mm. Uh, I think Activision dethroned us a little bit here in the last year or so. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah, I mean, still, I mean, that's fucking crazy. There's t- yeah. like
2: two, two people that
0: are fucking, co- you know, I mean, two companies that are like head to head.
2: I mean, there's there's clearly others that people really care about. Um, there's also mobile games that are huge, but uh, yeah, Electronic Arts is is up there. So,
0: yeah. you know, how the fuck, <laughs> how do you go from sure, you know, where you came from mm-hmm. to getting that job?
2: Um, I, I so I I think the I, I think after this is done, and I hope everybody that's listening to this pati- particular episode is thinking to themselves, like, "All right, well, this is a me, like, this is a dude that made it somewhere." And as you say, like, how do you get from washing cars to like like being working in for possession. like a
0: multi billion dollar yeah. motherfucking gaming, like, yeah.
2: the biggest shit, and being able to to like usher in the future yeah. You know, for that. Like, how do you do that? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it comes down to two real things. It's like being aware of like who you are and what you really like to do. Um, and then also like not being afraid to like have a vision and to push it. Like those are two things that I, like I would say over the last five years, like I've grown up like considerably. Yeah. So I've been in electronic arts or EA for five years and up until that point, like, I didn't really know who I was or what I was doing or even what I wanted to do. Like, it was like, be a baseball player. I was like, uh, oh, maybe musician or mm-hmm. maybe shoot music videos. And, like, we've talked a lot. You know that I'm a flip-flopper, like, overthinker, over-analyzer. But I think when I took a step back and, you know, life comes at you and it hits you and you think about all these things that don't really matter and you just think about, like, the root – Uh, and you look at yourself in the mirror, and it's like, who are you? And, like, what drives you? Right. And if you really think about those two things, and you remove all the other, like, bullshit that could get in the way, you kind of have this, like, clear vision of, like, what you could do every single day for the rest of your life. And so, like, you know, at EA, like, Like when I first got in, I didn't fully even know then. Um, I had an idea uh, in gaming and EA was a way to get there. But it wasn't until like being in for like a year or so that I realized that um, what drives me is helping people Mm -hmm. and creating. And creating is obviously multidimensional. There's many different ways to create. Right. But like... I didn't know how to merge those two things together and I was over indexing into this creator aspect. Like I want to create all this different stuff, like create music, create videos, create, write, uh, you know, even still to this day, it's like podcast video, every social channel, two of them. Mm -hmm. I'm still doing that stuff, but, um, that's just a part of who I am. Um, and so when I kind of like really focus on those two, um, and then, like, what drives me, uh, and that's where the help people kind of comes in. Um, I realized that I like, I asked myself like this question, and I'll ask everybody, I'll ask you this, and I want you to ask to answer. And I'll ask everybody that's listening um, What type of person are you? Are you the type of person that likes to build the blueprint for the art museum? Are you the type of person? That likes to curate what art goes where in the museum, and are you the type of person that likes to actually paint the paintings that gets hung up in the museum?
1: Mm.
2: You got to answer, like honestly, which one of those three people you are, because. And actually, I won't go it for like. I'll have you answer
0: before you go into it. Yeah, before I go into it. That's a tough question. It's really what was tough. the first option? There's three options.
2: So, do you want to be the architect that designs the building? The building.
0: Do you want to be the painter or art. the artist that designs the art? Yeah.
2: Or do you want to be the curator that selects where the art goes? I can't pick two? You can only pick one. Hmm.
0: I mean, I think deep down, everyone wants to be the artist, right?
2: That's, that's the misconception.
0: But I think each, everybody wants to be that. I've always wanted to well, be think the about artist. This. You know what I'm saying?
2: Well, think about this. I, you, I'm sure, and I'll, I'll add another dimension. See,
0: this what I'm talking Not about. because He's a wizard. <laughs> He's doing some wizard shit right
2: now. <laughs> Not just think about what. Think about why. Why would you want to do one of those three things? I. This per- is why I say what drives you. That's what why? I'm saying.
0: I, I always get a high if I make a video mm-hmm. and someone and I push fucking publish and people mm-hmm. start watching it. I get a high from knowing that someone like soaked that in, right? I get a high from that. Mm-hmm. At the same time. I could throw a show when we lived in Iowa. Mm -hmm. I would throw shows, and when people would come and I saw people have a good time from the day from the time those doors open to the time that shit closed, and I constructed that, I got a high from that. Mm -hmm. At the same token, I would be playing that same show. So I was also the artist. That's why I wanted to pick fucking two because I don't want to to build the the fucking venue. I want to be in there orchestrating the shit and be the artist. Well,
2: what you just said was all three, but whatever. Yeah. Um, And I had a very similar answer. And, you know, like, so that like no one asked me this analogy, like I came up with it myself, and I ask like people I work with all the time. Mm-hmm. I ask, like it, I, I ask it on interviews. When I interview people, I ask that question: yeah. Who are you? Because I need to know what drives you. Because the people I work with is what exactly what you just said. The people that live for the impact they have on another person, Right. not for selfish motivation not because they want to look good to somebody else or this other thing but and it's all I'll fast forward to like what the answer of those three things and really it's like the painter feels satisfaction from like actually their work of art right like they feel accomplished that they made something and it exists somewhere for people to see the curator is concerned about the experience did I create something, even though it's not even mine that I made, but I took all these things to make something that someone walked in and I can see it in their face that they enjoyed. Right. Or did I feel impactful that I built this big grand vision that someone then brought to life? And so those three roles kind of really, to me, like those like psychological thoughts. They apply to almost every line of like form of creation, I was like gonna you've say, got, like,
0: You end up doing a blend of all of them. No matter you what. do like
2: somewhat of blend, but when you start to understand what really drive, like what would you really love to do, like every single day, you can align that to a profession. And I think people they get caught in this idea that they want to do all three. Hmm. And you can't do all three because you stretch yourself thin and you might just not be good. Like there's some people that will hammer themselves and do the same thing over and over, but like, sure there's do it, like take one step at a time, but maybe you're just not good enough at that. One of those things. Right. And so that's why I say about seeing, being self-aware, like Mm. for me, I know I'm not the best artist. That's just fact. Like if that was the case, we would have dropped one track, and we would have been somewhere else. Like, you could probably say the same about you and I. Well, had to
0: sidebar so everyone understands. Sure. When we were in college, Marcus was making beats, right? Like, he had a yeah. fuck ton of beats, and he was making beats mm-hmm. all the time, rapping on the beats and shit. And he basically sparked, because I came from, he, I was already in bands, playing drums, all the shit. He was hearing the music and whatnot. And then when we started, like, playing music at the car wash, we'd be, like, rapping and shit. And I think that's how we connected off of that. But later on, Marcus ends up moving away from Iowa and goes to work in Denver, Colorado. or Springs, There's a good Colorado story
2: Springs. there. I want to come back to that because, yeah. like, there's another powerful message, like, that you and I, we talked about this the other day. Like, if you, we probably talk. about... I don't know if we want to get deep into it now. So Wait, let me wrap deep. up Fuck the... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, wrap up your first thing. <laughs> wrap up first right so You have
0: to remember because my brain's shit. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'll remember. I'll remember okay. it. All right.
2: Um, but um, what was I saying? Being self-aware. Terms? Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, So like you and I, like we like wanted so badly to mm. be the artist, like on stage. And we, you know, did some cool, like some cool stuff. Right. like. A lot of stuff that we could point back to now and be like, yo, we did that. Like no one else can really Not many people can say they did that. But you hit this wall where you realize that you might don't have the talent 100% to be on that level.
1: Mm.
2: However, we still have the taste, the eye, the work ethic, and the passion to be able to understand what good looks like and create something out of that. Mm. And that's where that curator comes in. Yeah. And then there's the people that don't know how to do any of that, but can set a grand vision and be able, to like, yo, I'm gonna build this building. I'm gonna hand you the keys to be able to then paint the walls and hang the paintings and make it the best experience as possible. I'll just make sure structurally it's right, it's in the right spot, we write money, all of this and that. And so, um, for me, like, like I, in just in life, you get into the situation where you feel like. You have to be a certain thing to succeed. But that's just society telling you a different story. That's contradictory to you. That's just your family, your friends telling you something that's not actually real. Mm. But when you realize to yourself, like, you're good at this thing, you know, the specific thing within those three constructs, and you, like, really commit to it, that's when you, like, become elite. Um, that's when you can like truly make an impact and so for me wanted to be an artist literally almost all my life Mm -hmm. and then I was like I don't know and then maybe okay well maybe I need to be someone that like you know is I need to be more corporate and like have to you know more be more vision and like big broad setting and direct a bunch of people it's not me either like I found out that for me I'm good in the moments of, like, being able to help people that create, be able to create and develop experiences and storytell without actually having to create it myself sometimes.
0: For an, I, I love this story that you shared mm-hmm. with me. We were um, – so Marcus – so at EA, Marcus basically, like, catapulted my career out here in a certain way where he put me on to direct, which was my – ended up being, like, my first technical directing job mm-hmm. – which was uh, for Madden 17, right? Madden 17? 16. 16. And, yeah. and we had Lil Dicky, Rob Gronkowski, yep. Antonio Braun, Von Miller. Mm-hmm. And Marcus called me like four days before and was like, hey, I'm going to give you a bunch of money. <laughs> pay a bunch of these athletes a shit ton four, of Was it really four days? It was like fucking two, the quickest turnaround of okay. my life. And so I had to decide a lot of shit. And he was basically mm-hmm. like, this is what we need do your thing. And so it was like be creative and I was like, yo man, but are they going to like I don't really have a whole role like a, as far as like directing I haven't really done. I've done a ton of shit and I know I can mm-hmm. do this. He's like, "No, I already know you can do it, so don't worry about it. Like I'm the guy. I'm the guy." said, "Yeah, so go." Mm-hmm. I'm like, "Fuck, okay." So we do this whole project and that just took me into a new space where again, respect and all these things started happening more and more. And from that we would go and do a bunch of other shit through EA. He'd have me doing different stuff or whatever. And there was an event at, um, what's that shit called? E, e, EA Play? Yeah, E3. E Play. E3 f- mm-hmm. uh, Festival. Is a, a festival? Conference?
2: It's, it's basically a trade show, but like it's just E3. Yeah,
0: okay. So E3. Mm-hmm. They took it's like,
2: a- uh, what's that uh, tech show that happens?
0: Um, yeah, the one in Vegas. In Vegas. I can't well, think I can't of remember. One.
2: I don't know. Yeah, whatever. It's like that, but for gaming.
0: Yeah, so I go to, it's like downtown LA, mm-hmm. mad shit. I think we were just getting like some drone shots or something for uh, Titan Falls. Mm-hmm. And so we were hanging out and Marcus was talking about how he was in the room with these like gamers that came in. <clears throat> I think they all got to try a game, get to play screen capture and then take it and make a video out of it. And one of the kids through talking to Marcus was like, oh dude, can you watch this video and like tell me what you think? and you like checked it out. You're like, okay, this is cool. But what you should do is this, this, and this. Because this dude basically just got famous because he was like recording his voice and putting it on top of mm-hmm. games and just got famous from overnight and had no idea how to truly tell stories. Marcus gave him like three pieces of advice. The next day, Mark, you said he came back and like made like a fucking shit ton of yeah, money I'd, off ad revenue. He and, had a
2: million, million views in 24 hours. A million it. views in 24 hours. And I was like,
0: He's like, dude, you killed it with that thing. Thanks so much for helping me. And yeah. Mark is like, God damn. But that's like a perfect example mm-hmm. of what you're talking yep. about. Like you literally can see what they're doing and take that and run with it and, and turn that around fast, which I think plays a big part in your like, current job.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what I'm saying. 100% like self-awareness. Like, mm-hmm. I became aware of like, you know, like sometimes you just have to be real with yourself. Like, what are you good at? What are you not good at? And like, don't kid yourself and don't kid the people around you and be honest and double down on it. And sure, there's some things you got to say yes to and learn how to do it later. Mm -hmm. But to truly be an expert, like this is a, like, so for everyone listening, that's like trying to jump into the industry in some capacity, everybody is like, I need to be a jack of all trades. I need to be able to do it all and say I do it all. But when to get past that next level, you have to specialize. 100%. You have to be elite at one or two or three things. Mm. You can't just be average at everything. Or else you continue to get the work that warrants that, which is, you know, support PC like type, you know, AD type roles. Mm-hmm. But if you want to be the best of the best, you have to commit. Like you can't stretch yourself thin. It's like If you want to be the the best shooter in the league, well, you can't waste your shots, you know, like, yeah, I mean, you can't waste your time, like, doing something that's not shooting a basketball, like, and the same thing applies for in life, like the whole theory of 10,000 hours from Malcolm Gladwell, it's like real, like, you know, most people don't have 10,000 hours to work with before they even have to start doing a job. And so every hour is valuable. And so Yeah, like for me, I try to be a jack-of-all-trades. I'll do everything. I can do Photoshop. I can do motion graphics. I can edit. I can record. I can do all these different things. And I used to say that's what I could do, and I could do it. But then I realized, okay, to be honest with myself, I'm good at a few things. I'm mediocre at some others, and I have a lot to learn in other areas. And the power, the crazy thing is, the power is you can change it. It just takes time. Yeah, Like, you know, like you can learn stuff, But you, like, you have to be willing to commit extra hours to do that. It can't replace hours that's already going to help you in craft, like being a hundred percent craftsman in the thing that you want to be recognized for. Hmm. So um, it took me (laughs) 25 years to figure that out. Um, And then truly committing that, like committing myself to that over the last five years um, is really where it got me to here. Like it's, I, you know, I could have lost the sight of, you know, my goal when I was here and just kind of like flowed and allowed someone to drag me around and go here and do this and do that. But I was like, no, here, this is the way we need to go. Pushed it hard, um, and not wavered. And that's a tough thing to do because you know when you get to sometimes a company as big as EA, like the tendency is to just go with the flow because right. you want to keep a job. Yeah. But
0: I feel like, like you're you, not. if you don't challenge something like that, because I've learned just from working yeah. with you how corporate that shit can be, and when it is that corporate and you have all these chains of command and all these different mm-hmm. holes you have to jump through or hoops you have to jump through, you're constantly, like, going upstream. It's an upstream battle, especially from you trying to push creativity and make that a portion of the company that matters. Because you're talking about how you guys move, like, your budget goes to digital from TV mm-hmm. and all these things get pushed around, which means if it's in digital, that's a digital world is creative, like mm-hmm. using cell phones to make content. And you know what I mean? Like, and you yeah. have to like tell people this is why this is important. And how hard is that dealing with, uh, I guess the constant changes in, in this. I th-
2: I think some, some people might find it hard. I hear about it. You know, people I work with, you know, some people on my team like struggle with it. Um, me, I love it. Yeah. Like, so, Sure, I'm self-aware about like <laughs> self-aware about like what I'm really passionate about. But I'm also very aware, and this is like it's a, you know another pro tip for everyone listening: understand where you self-sabotage, and do what it takes to prevent those things from happening. So if you're always late, do things to prevent yourself from being late. If you, you know, uh, like one thing that Gary V said, he's like. He's like, I was getting overweight, never worked out. But it wasn't until I realized that I only work harder when I'm trying to impress another person. So I hired a personal trainer Mm. that I felt like I was always needing to impress and never let down. And it changed everything for me. And so, yeah, so for me that like I was thinking about that stuff, too, as I was learning my like how to you know, in my professional career, right. if you will. And I realized I love competition. It's always been there. I just never really realized it. And so I always need an opposing force. So I love that. Like mm. I, I love someone telling me I'm wrong because my immediate reaction is bet. Yeah. And so, um, my, the way I deal with it is I anticipate what people are going to say to tell me why I'm wrong ahead of time. Mm-hmm. And I, and waiting Counter. and itching. I'm not like, oh, I hope they don't say this. I'm like, please, please say this. Yeah. So I can make you feel dumb when I serve up this, you know, this frisbee to you right. that you can't catch. <laughs> or, you know, there's, or when someone, um, you know, like, like I know there's going to be um, a situation where someone might think differently. Like, I, I'm just, I don't know. I don't walk away from it because I, at the end of the day, to be to be creative, to be an icon, which I want to talk about icons later. I, I'm really fascinated with this concept um, of icons. Um, but to be an icon, it's to be different than anybody else or anything that's come before you. Right. And um, icons force change icons change the course of history icons put cities on the map icons revitalize brands icons change the way people look at many different things Mm -hmm. um and so to me like high level goal for myself i want to be an icon right someone that thinks differently than the way a brand or product should market anything and so i know that if I'm actually saying things that aren't getting challenged, I'm probably not doing the right things or either. Well, there's, yeah, there's that, or it's like, I don't know, maybe just people are tired or arguing, arguing with me. Cause everything could be a mm-hmm. debate potentially. You know, it's a good debate. It's not like a, you know, I'm not raising my voice and angry and I'm just asking tough questions that people can't answer sometimes. Right. And then they, are like, I'm not going to do that again. I don't like that. Yeah. Um, but to deal with it, you just have to be comfortable with it. Like, you have to be comfortable with challenging the norm. Because if you're not, then you're just, like, a follower. And to, like, to be a creator that, like, with aspirations that people have, like, you know, I'm, you know, I love looking through the, um, like, I'm going to be honest. Like, I love looking through Black With No Cream. You know, I'm a... I'd look at everything. I don't always comment or like or whatever. I might occasionally, but I look at it all. And I see a lot of people asking for feedback and help and thoughts and, hey, what should I do here and here? And 50% of it all looks the same. Mm. Every single video looks exactly the same. And I'm like, where's originality? Right. Like, Like I understand that there's people that have set like a, Uh, like a a certain level of like a bar Mm -hmm. and that's fine to fit right in. But those people are already established. Like you cannot knock someone off their pedestal when you're trying to literally make the same thing as them. Right. To do that, you have to make it substantially better or substantially different. And ironically, both. Right. Or iconically, both. Iconically. Uh, Yeah. So, um, yeah i mean it's everybody wants like how like a, a lot of careers have goals but their actions don't mirror the goals right and i don't know if they realize it or not but like it's time to look yourself in the mirror think about kind of the things i've asked for like you know what are you you know who are you what drives you and are you doing something that's iconic or not are what? you doing something that's shareable or not
0: who, who would you be? The architect, the painter, or the I'm person? the curator,
2: 100% all day. Mm. Because when I hang something up on the wall, if it's your video or it's someone else's painting, I'm cool with that. Because I want to be able to select y- your content and be like, this is good. This is great. Right. I know exactly how to take what you've made and show it to the right people that need to see it to do whatever. What, yeah. Like whatever the, the story is. we want to tell, right? And so the um, like the art now. That, that's why the curator is always fascinating to me. That's hundred percent, hundred percent. I'm a curator. I'll take all these different pieces of content to tell the story that I want to tell, and the experiences that I want to tell for the people that enter. And I get the added benefit of when they experience it, I get to look them right in the face and see how they react. Mm. As a painter, you don't always get that luxury. That's Someone true. buys your art, and you're on to the next one. Stroke, stroke, stroke. You feel happy that you made something that you then sold off, but you don't actually get to see how people like respond to true. it. True. And so it's a different level of like accomplishment and appreciation.
0: I think I'm. I think I'm really glad that I was able to get. Because you're right, like making videos, if we sit there and work on music videos all day or we work on the documentaries and shit like this, they come out and they're viewed by millions. Mm-hmm. But like the best feeling in the world was Chris's doc coming out and me going to the fucking Century City, any movie theater in LA and watching people watch my movie for the first time. I've been sitting there staring at the edit for months and months and months and months and years. And then... Only seen like a handful of people watch it, but now you see a theater packed out. And I think that brings me back. That was one of the closest feelings to that, what you're talking about, yeah. to being an artist when we got to play music and play in front of people. And I could see reactions instantaneously because we tried to put on a show, which was a great feeling. But yeah. at a certain point, you know what I mean? Like you say, yeah. you have to kind of decide like what you're good at and you move forward in it, which is crazy because you come. I want to explain this because I think that this all plays into who you are now. And I like coming from baseball. Marcus mm-hmm. played baseball, and I can tell his story because I fucking sure. know it. And the motherfucker was a beast, right? Like, beast. You were originally from Washington. Yep. Moved from like Seattle, Spokane, 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 whatever yep. you call it. Moved to Iowa and played for University of Northern Iowa and played mm-hmm. baseball there. And wasn't there like a time where there was a league, like the league was like you, like a A team or something, like wanted you and you, kept yeah. Going so, to school? Um,
2: yeah. So basically, to go back a little bit, and I can kind of. So you so, uh, saw, you know, you asked me a long back, like, hey, you know what, you know f- what feedback do you have the pod for the podcast? And mm-hmm. I talked about the defining moment. Yeah. Or the formative moment. Right. Um. I wouldn't say I have a hundred percent formative moment. Like I'm self-proclaimed like butterfly that didn't know what the hell I was doing literally almost till I was twenty five. Right. But I will say early on the formative moments that created the backbone for who I am was playing baseball. For sure. Because it's a game of failure. You 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 get you do actually do not succeed. Like 60, 70% of the time. And then that makes you good. Right. Long hour games, four or five hours, continual mental, like strenuous. You can't show emotion. It's not like football where you hit somebody. It's not like basketball where you can yell at somebody or celebrate. It is even keel. And it's a team sport. Mm-hmm. And so literally, I like that's, I still I th- approach life. Is it's still a game, right? In that way, um, and so for for it, you know, and I've never like that's never wavered. I've always had that, and I still approach it like that. Like an L is an L. Like I'm not afraid of L's. Mm-hmm. Actually, I think L's make you better for the next thing. Some people are afraid of it. Like I know I legit know people that put together spend hours days on presentations and they think their idea is like epic and they walk in and someone says no and they turtle shell right, right there they, they haven't got the firm no they've just got a oh, well and they're just like it's oh over. my god they don't like my idea i've struck out i'm out and like any no can be a yes is the way i look at it but also all right i'm gonna get back up to the plate and knock this out of the park. Mm-hmm. Not everyone's like that, but it's dealing with failure is a tough thing that everybody has to deal with. And only some people can handle it, but it, it's a thing. To, it's another thing to get comfortable with. It's getting comfortable with being uncomfortable mm. in the way that you interact with people, the way you challenge people, the L's that you're going to catch. And there should be many. Cause if you're not catching L's and you're not learning anything right. and, you know, it's just a, it's just a factor. Like, you know, you're, you're For five, ten years of your life, you're going to catch L after L and learn and learn and have some success and get some confidence and lose some confidence. But what's, then, one,
0: what's one way that, uh, you know, taking... Because we all do it, and mm-hmm. especially in this industry, you're experiencing constant L's. What's one way to keep your head up?
2: Um, well, so I think one of the... So probably so i 'll start with just like what I do and then maybe kind of branch off from there so keeping your head up um, you know for me uh, means that with every like you know failure or loss or whatever um, creates another opportunity mm. um, everything is an opportunity like there there's that old saying that oh everything happens for a reason, and i wouldn't go as far to say that um because i'm i'm and this is because of my personality too, I'm, I'm actually a person that feels like you can control your own fate. Like I, I have this weird, like I, I, you know, I wouldn't say actually believe it, but deep, deep down, we are in a simulation in my mind because I, I truly do believe you put your mind to it and you say it what you want over and over and over again, you make it happen. Mm. And so for me, when, when a failure comes... There's a grander vision to that, um, and, like, it creates an opportunity. Um, and so I can't tell you how many times where a failure in the moment, like, you know, one that really makes your stomach turn, retrospectively ended up being a blessing. And it's happened a lot. Like, like out of college, I um, had an opportunity to go to Gonzaga, for um, the Gonzaga University to play baseball. Mm. And um, I had an issue with, the, so I went to, um, I went down to uh, community college in Fresno. And from going to California to Washington, some of the credits didn't transfer. And so to get into a private school, you know, $27,000 tuition, I got a full ride offer to play baseball at Gonzaga back home. Damn. And I um, couldn't do it because technically I was short credits because I had a couple didn't transfer from community college to there. And so instead of coming in as a sophomore, I would have come in as a freshman, which wouldn't have made me like eligible Mm. basically. And so basically scholarship pulled, didn't go to Gonzaga in that moment, just train wreck. Like, like it was the, what it was the biggest moment of failure feeling like, wow, Like
0: that close, the
2: smallest of things. Like, you never think about, oh, I'm gonna take this class. Like, in the moment, you're like, ah, whatever, this class is fine. And the fact that I chose one class that wasn't like a core, like, you know, a core 101 class was the reason why I didn't go a full ride to Gonzaga.
0: That's crazy.
2: Like, nuts. I look back at it now and I'm like, some super fucked shit. It's, but then I think about it and I'm just like, then I don't go to Iowa. Yeah. I'm maybe not here. I'm maybe not sitting here. I maybe don't meet my wife or my daughter. Like, there's so much there that it it kind of created this like, all right, I'm never gonna make that mistake again. I'm gonna pay attention to everything. Right. First of all, and so you get a heightened response. It's like you're driving down the freeway and then you know the cop pulls out and you're like, oh my god, I'm gonna get pulled over. And they passes you and you're like, woo. Yeah. Like, after that, you're just like, oh, 10 oh, and 2. <laughs> a little bit yeah. more. And so that, that's the first one. And then secondly, I had this like, this, like greater appreciation for like the academic side of um, like college because, you know, you, you kind of, you go in and you don't really know. Like as an athlete, you're like, oh, they'll make it work for me. Mm-hmm. And it didn't work for me, and I learned the hard way. Uh, in that situation and so it changed how I carried myself and what I did and so the opportunity was Hey, and I believe this it was We're gonna give you an L now That's gonna work better for you in the long run. You just got to trust it. You got to trust the system You got to trust the process But in that moment felt like the worst thing in my entire life. Yeah, like worst thing in my entire life so
0: so then Summarizing kind of your life, in a nutshell, you end up going to Iowa after that?
2: Um, Yeah.
0: Straight to Iowa, Uh, which had a good baseball program for mm -hmm. a little while. And it ended up canning after, did you finish, you were a senior?
2: Yeah, so the Title IX thing, uh, Title IX ended the the whole, yeah, baseball program. uh, That's crazy. Two or three years after.
0: After you were done? Mm-hmm. That's crazy. But I remember there was a time when we were working at the car wash and shit, and then maybe this was after this, and because we were all in college and you finished baseball, but you were going to try to go back. Yep. Um, you wanted to try to go back to train so you could try out for the minors or something, maybe?
2: Yeah, so um, I played semi-pro. Uh, well, so I played a couple different summer leagues uh, in Northwoods, Um And
0: you did the Northwood league. I did. Yeah. My brother did that.
2: Yeah. I played for Waterloo played for Brainerd. Oh yeah. You played for the Waterloo bucks. Mm -hmm. That's so
0: legendary. Yeah. (laughs) That was like the shit. The Waterloo bucks was where we went for, Mm -hmm. to watch baseball games. Yeah. That's crazy.
2: Yeah. So, um, I did that and you know, I'd always, uh, when I, the summer, my summer coach, uh, Steve Abney, uh, he's a regional cross checker for the Cleveland Indians. Mm. Um, And, you know, he signed CeCe Sabathia and a couple other, like, you know, big Indians players like Manny Ramirez and stuff like that. So tough. And so he had a ton of respect, but he also, you know, uh, as part of his, like, farm program, wanted to coach, you know, semi-pro in the summer and kind of get the scoop on up-and-comers. And And he was really hard on me. Um, I don't know why, Um, you know, because I think – I think he didn't understand me because of, like, you know, like, I have a tendency to be quiet. um, When I don't have anything to say, I'm not going to say it. However, if I have something to say, then I will say it and will weirdly, like, maybe seemingly get in people's face and they're not ready for it Mm because they're like, wait, what? Like, why is this quiet guy all of a sudden now, like, all in my shit? And so... Um, I think that it, that it was always like interesting to him, and so he, he, he saw potential in me, saw talent in me, but he saw someone that had like question marks around. Do I have the personality to even make it to the league? And so it was like constant, like pushing and testing to see if he could break me, but never broke. Um, and various one of the various one of the funniest stories I can give. Uh, to really, like, paint that picture, is, um, you know, I batted leadoff, I walk to start the game off, I get to first, and then I steal um, just without getting the sign, just steal, just blow the guy out of the water, get to to second easy. Um, We ended up, you know, the next three batters get out, and I stay on second, and take my helmet off, I run in, and you know, draw my stuff and get my glove. Um, and I, you know, go grab it and I'm running out and there's someone warming up at my position. <laughs> and I was like, and I got out there and I was like, yo, what's up, dude? And he's like, go talk to coach. And I was like, so I go back in and he's like looking at me. It's just, I'm going back in. I'm not even crossed the the baseline, like, you know, the i I'm not even off the field yet. Right. Like not even close um, you know, to you know, get in. And he's just staring a hole at me and mm. I'm just like, Oh, he's not happy. And I get in there and I put my stuff in and I'm like, I'm not even gonna go talk to him. Like I'm just gonna sit down, I'm gonna wear it. And he gets up and walks over to me and he's like, Don't ever do that again and walks away and sits down. But like Basically, the story was I basically did a thing, and that wasn't anyone told me to do it. Even though I was successful, didn't matter. Um, but like that was like the how it was like. That's the way kind of was to me, and that's kind of what the way baseball is when you get to that level. Like they test you so hard mentally because you get up at eight nine a.m. every day. You get, to the, you get to the field, you work out, you know, you run, you know, lift weights, you know, whatever it may be, depending on your, your weight and con- conditioning program, and you have lunch, and you have a little bit of a break, then you start taking batting practice, two, three, get on the field, etc. goes up until six, seven when the game starts, and the game's four or five hours. Right, that's all You're day. done at 11, then you eat, shower. Get on the bus, go to the next venue, the next spot, every single day. Damn. And so you're physically tested, emotionally tested. And like towards the end of it, I was exhausted. I remember stepping up to the play thinking, like, God, I hope I just strike out so I can go sit in the dugout. Yeah. Like it is intense. And so they really try and hammer you hard. They try and throw it at you all because they are banking on people quitting or giving up or showing fatigue before they even want to invest into you. Yeah, for sure. And so, uh, but, you know, I got through it. And I remember after I finished the season and you we know, were getting ready to part ways and everyone goes to different, you know, different levels, the different, you know, programs. And, you know, Coach, you know, Abney comes to me and he, he uh, he's, he's like, uh, stand up. And he gives me a hug. <laughs> and he goes, if you ever need anything, you always have my number to call me. And it was like, what? What just happened? Like, this is a twilight zone. But it was like the, it was like one of those moments where I started like kind of realize that, um, it was all like part of the, like the scheme, the plan. Like, it, like I was just, they were just testing me, um, to see if I even had it in me, um, and so I, you know, didn't know at the time. I didn't fully know what to expect, but I, like, I looked at it that way. But then afterwards, we were in constant communication. He's like, "Oh, I'm trying to get you on this team. I got a trial for here and here." And so, like, he was like in my corner. All of a sudden, yeah, I was gonna
0: say, yes, I do need something. I need to go pro. Fucking yeah. set it up, yeah. champion.
2: And you know, he was like, "Oh, you need this and that, and hey, go get your eyes checked, and this and that." Wow. And do personality tests and like guided me in all these things. And I was like, "This is what we need to do to get you on the team." Um, and so it was like really, it was a really interesting experience for me, but,
0: um, what was the ultimate reason why you, why nothing happened from it? I got
2: hurt, hurt my arm. Oh yeah. Um, and then I just couldn't, I still don't throw the same today. It's crazy. My arm still hurt sometimes when I throw. So I wouldn't be able, went from being able to throw, you know, 90, 95, cross a diamond to now. Me well, not now, but I mean at the time, yeah. You know, eighty, eighty-five, and shit. went from being able to play short and outfield to playing second, because hmm. um, I hurt my arm, kind of, um, you know, uh, dislocated shoulder, uh, torn labrum, so from playing baseball, mm-hmm.
0: so never was the same. Um, yeah, never the same Fuck. after that. So back then, you know, that shit goes down, and at the time. I was at a uh, community college, mm-hmm. and I met my homie Bai. Yeah. And so me and Bai were sitting in class, and I just remember it. we were in the back of the class. We had this teacher, and she was a total fucking... She was a bitch, dog. <laughs> we, I know who, we know who this is. I don't think you do. Yes,
2: I do. At Hawkeye? Oh, okay. I remember. Yeah, Hawkeye Community I College. I was else.
0: Nah. So I'm sitting there, and this chick just the worst. She hated me. Hated me. It was crazy. I'm pretty sure my mom found out like she was like oh yeah i don't like she would see like what this chick was doing like every time i come back she never <laughs> agreed with me on the teacher sucking anyway whatever so me and Byron sit in the back we just talk shit about her to each other like dude i can't believe she's making us do this can't believe we're doing this just whatever and i was, and we started talking about rat and i was like yo you gotta check out some of these beats my friend made because you had, mm-hmm. I think, just moved or you were about to move, and I'm like, "Yo, he's got all these beats. I got all these beats. We gotta listen to these beats." He's like, "Oh, come over to my house." So he has me come over to his spot, and he was with his now wife, Ashley, and it was weird because I was like, "Yeah, I've been writing like raps. Like, so we you gotta check out these raps. Come over and rap them." And at my house, so I come over and I have to rap them to him and his girlfriend, and I was like feeling real uncomfortable yeah. about it, and I did. And then that formulates me and By starting to be like a, a group, we're like we should rap on these all things. Right. So he starts rapping on Marcus's beats. He's got all these bangers, and he would make the coolest samples that your mom would like recommend shit. Right? Yeah.
2: So um, man, how deep are we into this? Like it don't matter. time, because uh, you're doing p- cliff notes a little bit. Like we're, we're there's obviously a lot more to the story. There's so much more to the we story. We could talk
0: literally hours about this. It's and right. Currently, right now, it's two in the morning which is like 5 a.m. Yeah. Uh, so Marcus lives in Florida. He lives mm-hmm. in Orlando. Yeah. He's in L.A. for a, a Madden shoot or something. So he's out here for a couple of days shooting some shit. And we were just on set, because I just flew drones for some a movie, a fucking <laughs> uh, Nick Cannon film. I don't know. Him and Chris Brown were in this movie. I just flew, flew drones. Your boy got a credit in a movie. Yeah. Another one. Yeah. Uh. But Marcus came and met me on set, and then we came here, and mm-hmm. he was like about to fucking bail on this shit because he's like, dog, I gotta be up at six in the morning." Nah, but you know, we said if it was trash, we weren't gonna post it. But this,
2: I love this. this. Is going good. this hey, is going he was good. spewing yeah. shit. Yeah, I mean, I just, I, you know, it's always deep within me. This is stuff I'd like to talk about every day. No, no. Um, but subscribe to his podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. No, but I mean, go on. Like, sure. so
0: you, you used to, as far as music went, mm-hmm. you were so fucking crafty with this shit and made such fucking good music. And then when you left, it was really hard for us because I was thinking I was starting a group with you with By, and then you're like, Yeah. I'm out.
2: So this is a so this is the lesson that you were like, mm-hmm. Oh, we'll come back to yeah. that, and I'll talk about it now. So, but uh, there's a little bit of context. So, I'm done playing baseball. I've worked my entire life to do it. Like, I'm 24, 25, um, literally, you know, cared about school. Obviously, same. Uh, electronic media, like film oriented program, you and I, we did the same. And so I had that in my back pocket. Um, But I did it because I in the back of my mind, I always liked to create things like Mm -hmm. I'd been making music for a while. Um, You know, my, um, you know, my uh, grandfather, um, you know, got remarried. um, And, you know, his wife, uh, actually, um, her daughter married Elle DeBarge which you know, the rhythm of the night like that and so wait what yeah we'll try that's we could go deeper into okay. that but basically there's there's always been this thread for like music my mom loves music i've grew up with it the family my like, entire family's always been deep around it my mom and i share music uh like all the time right um and i grew up every single day on sundays we had this we had a cleaning day where we'd clean the house, and my mom would play just all this different music. She had a room full of just records. Tight. Like CDs and also just like vinyl. And it was like the who's who of, you know, uh, 50s, 60s, like 70s soul. Uh, Well, 70s soul isn't really it, but 50s, 60s soul. and. Um, so I grew up listening to all this like this these sounds, and I started to like fall in love with certain like certain like colors of sound that were used to deliver certain types of emotion. because I think that eighties and nineties to me like sure you know like 80s i was too young to really remember but like from what i know of the 80s and 90s it was a is a weird time for music it was like it was like the it turned to like grunge and like uh, like our alternative into like pop and it started to get away from maybe like actual like storytelling in the art form of music yeah and, um, you know, I'm generalizing. I'm not, like, I'm not calling out specific. There's obviously some areas of that. But what, if you go back and look at the top 100s, they're, like, very, like, poppy. There isn't really substance to it. They just have maybe, like, a, a good progression of chords that are pleasing to the ear. You could right. say even the same thing about some of the, you know, hip-hop music today. It's, like, it all kind of, there isn't really a message there. It just kind of has, like, something catchy about it. And, but I kind of fell in love with this concept of music being a way to like, like really hit someone's emotional core. Um, and so um, when I got done playing baseball, it's like, oh, 25 years of my life, like, uh, well, not 25, but whatever, right. 20 years, like, oh, what do you do now? where I am at school uh needed to fill that huge void with something that I could, you know, put effort into. And I went through this like minor stage of like a little bit of depression because it's like you real you realize you work your entire life for a thing that isn't going to happen and then you're just like like what is life? And <laughs> yeah. And so I like I went through this like minor depression period, like r- really like like kind of a, a, a like emotional awakening, because I r- realized that there's more to life than just to play a sport. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd always like liked to create. Always cared about the arts. Always cared about music. And I found myself binge listening all this music that I grew up to because it made me feel like I was connecting to something that I had lost. Right. And then I started to, f- like, really, um, like, attach myself to, um, like, and create stories based off of my experiences. And, like, like th- there are some songs where I remember exactly the first time I heard them. Mm. Or I was, you know, my mom and dad are driving me to a baseball tournament in Montana and the first time I heard a song. And... It was, like, cool to me to be able to then take that song and, like, capture that and make it into something Um, that would then be the baseline for another story um, that could be told in a different way. And so um, that first, like, 20, 30 songs that, like, you guys heard, they weren't just, like, samples. They were, like... um, they're all, like, moments in time, like, they're, like, captured for me. Like, it even gives me, like, kind of emotional to think about it. Yeah. Because, because it was, like, it was, like, so weird because um, each one had its own, like, specific story right. that was, like, really, um, like, took me back to a certain certain time. And so it's funny because I named all of the songs, um, I named all the songs, like, specific to the emotion and, like, to the, f- like, sp- like, the specific feeling that I had, and then you guys wrote about it. Isn't that crazy? It's, like, 100% wild. And so, like, that's why, like, that's why it makes me feel emotional about it because, like, it's, like, the true, like, like vision of, like, seeing something, like, go from nothing to, like, idea on the napkin Mm -hmm. to, like, actually something that's, like alive and you can still go listen to it today and which so it's is like crazy cause super cool and we were just so, talking about this yeah. shit and
0: like the way he would sample his music and how you you said like my dad just texted me about yeah what did he texted yeah, like, me about yeah he sent uh, me
2: he just sent me a text and he was like he's like hey what sample did you use for nighttime and i you know don't even remember i'd, I'd have to think about it because um but i just don't remember but like um I remember um, that specific song I made at, like, 3 in the morning.
0: That's fucking that's crazy. That's why I called. it. <laughs> yeah. And Nighttime um, was, like, the fucking first uh, song yeah. that we ever made as our hip-hop group schooled. Yeah. Like, I think we even we had an acoustic version of it. That might be the yeah. only thing that's on YouTube. Yeah, that's yeah.
2: Crazy. So, um, but anyways, so... Um, Like the those songs had like a deeper meaning than anything. Yeah. Like I've probably created in quite a while.
0: And I knew that it meant that much to you and it was sitting on a fucking drive and I was like, No shot. No shot. And what was also crazy, which was cool because I love like through your family sharing this music to you. Then you were sharing it with me, which I would have never have found this music, right? Mm-hmm. Because I would sit there and listen to your beats and be like, damn, this shit's tight. You would take like Michael Jackson song and be like, mm-hmm. uh, never can say goodbye, never can. And you sample that shit and it would be, it just bang. And then he'd throw yeah. his beats to it and I'd be like, oh shit. And then I, that's a terrible example. I, let's say songs that I wouldn't yeah. know if any of them, other artists yeah, yeah. or whatever.
2: That was probably the most m- m- well known one. Yeah. yeah the rest yeah. of them were like, Seriously, my mom played jazz like Donald Byrd mm. and Marvin Gaye a little bit, but you know, like Donald Byrd and like John Lee Ponty. Um, just so many that you're just like, Who is that?
0: Like but, but and then I when I work valet. Yeah. I was telling you this, I work valet at an event center and these old people would come in and I'd have to valet the cars and I'd be sitting there, they'd be listening to this oldies channel and I'd hear the original and it as soon as i heard it it did what it did for you it brought me right to where we were we were making that music i got like instantly stoked like oh shit this is where it came from dog like this is Mm -hmm. the song i just like sit in their car and just listen to the whole record it's like damn damn and it's cool because we played that music in front of like thousands of people in our career yeah and it was dope too because then marcus ends up he does this thing in colorado
2: Oh, that's the next part of the story.
0: Yeah. So, and, but he did get to come back. There was like a time where he had come back. So we talk
2: about that now. So, yeah. Um. So we make this obviously. Um. It and so sidebar. I was actually gonna. I was gonna say this to you. We were eating sushi the other night. Whenever I would like to be the one, if possible, to interview you to be a, for your podcast. Okay. So. Wanna start right um, now. <laughs> switch this uh, shit but you switch it and then you do yourself yeah. um i would love to do that just because i i don't know i'm sure there's a lot of people that know you pretty well but i feel like i'm one of the i know you quite yeah. well uh, yeah we go back. um yeah um is... but anyways so the uh
0: where was i going with this uh basically you i mean after school oh, and after oh, oh, music because you had a job
2: yes yeah, so we made this so um all that matters uh, oh, after the- <laughs> shit. all That
0: matters, damn! That was our yeah, first EP. Those
2: first. So after that, like, Bug. just the the amount of support, the amount of like, just like, like just like local recognition, and like I said before, the just that concept of like, like yeah, these are these are songs have been sitting on a hard drive for years. years. Like, there's some songs that are on that album I made. Like four or five years before, for sure, sitting there. Yeah, probably never get heard. Um, but anyway, so um, after that's over, there's just like there's just like this sense of momentum and like, dude, we're gonna do this. Like we're we're gonna make it. Like this is, you know, like we've got we've got the sound, we've got the passion, we've got all of this, we've got the time, um, and then you know the 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 grind starts. Um, but like, real life sets in mm-hmm. and this is the lesson that you know we talked about the other day that you'll say like we expected to not just walk step by step from california to florida we expected to you know be usain bolt sprint there and because we weren't running four 240s we thought we were failing and losing uh or or not gonna make it like um and so we held on and you held on the longest, um, as long as possible, but it did get to the point where, you know, you know, buy is like, I got to go do real life. And, you know, I think I was first to be like, I, you know, like, will this actually, like, I got to, you know, got to have, make money. Like, you yeah, got to, got to go chase my dreams. Got to go try and, you know, do more. um,
0: when your shit came very early because you were already think about it you were already yeah. out of college we mm-hmm. were still in college yep. we're formulating this group as like almost a college hip hop group you know what i mean because that was mm-hmm. the only demographic we could play to sure and you were working in iowa quit that job and moved to to colorado to like pursue a job and that was like at the very beginning like all that matters was, was just getting started it was
2: well so it was right after like all that matters was done and then the tours
0: were and like the shows were yeah. starting. Yeah. We started playing shows and Marcus like, "Hey, I got to go." And that shit fucked me up cuz I'm yeah. like, "No, dog, like this shit is what we needed to do. Like we needed to do this." And you're yep. like, "But I got to go." And <laughs> I was like, "Yeah. Fuck."
2: Um and you know, like it's yeah, like it's um you know, I wouldn't say gave
0: up. It was just like it was a hobby. Um it definitely at that time was very Cause, much because mm-hmm. it became full time for us at that point, like full time as in the sense of like we still have jobs, we're still in school, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But like to us, it was like this is live, breathe, eat, mm-hmm. dream, sleep. This is it. And it's hard to yeah, it's hard to
2: you know dedicate.
0: But you go out and have this is the craziest part. This is the segue into where EA comes into it. But he goes out to Colorado, yeah, Bus ass with these startup companies. Has like very like sick jobs for a second and then not both of the two companies like fold or like fold your department or something where you ended up like the job would go away and you went and got another job. And at one point I remember you. Well, s- so
2: the, the startup scene in Denver is, you know, just volatile in nature. Like your P and L, which is your profits and losses is like, you know, in the red. Mm-hmm. And so you have like startup capital and it's, 250k and you lose money every month and then you either you make money to hopefully elongate that but until you can show profitability and then get uh, investor like venture capital it's a really struggle yeah and so um, you know every entrepreneur out there that wants to start their own business and they don't have a substantial amount of money to start to organize is already in downhill battle because like you're, you're struggling just to stay afloat because you're losing money and you don't need deals or gigs to make money. You need it to continue to exist. Mm. And so, um, but yeah, so I went, um, so we left, but it was all about like, all right, now I got to go pursue a dream because and you yeah, had Kayla, music. yeah.
0: At the time, were you guys? Did you already get engaged? To her at the no. time? No, yeah. Like, but you guys, you guys yeah. were fucking super serious and shit. So she leaves. You guys go to Colorado, and you get your first job was um, the company. You did what? You like was it selling? Like you guys were like designing websites or pitching yeah. So
2: it was all apps. in the area of. So it's it's funny to look back at it now. It was all early digital website mm-hmm. apps social.
0: Yeah, before that was like before fucking it was WordPress a thing. and. Wix and shit like that, like yeah,
2: hundred percent. Way before that, uh, like this is two thousand nine, mm-hmm. two thousand ten, something. Yeah, probably like two thousand ten. Yeah, around there. Um, you know, ahead of its time, but you know, like by this time, you know, there's, there's, you guys are doing multiple shows, and you know, our way Monday is kicking off. Mm-hmm. We did a um, video
0: every Monday and a song. Yeah, make write a song way and before make a its video. time, like.
2: You know, like, the, I remember, talk, like, sitting in your bed, in your room, talking about making, like, more. Uh, like, okay, we got the music videos, but, like, are we going to be making
0: anything else outside of that? It right. was,
2: like, honestly, like, early vlogs. Yeah, for sure. But there sure wasn't early. really, that didn't exist yet. But
0: and we were kind of doing it. Like, anytime we go yeah. to a show, we'd make recap videos, mm-hmm. and that was what we thought it was. But we weren't building the right audience, I guess, in that format. But
2: it was just it was just before it's time the behavior on youtube is different then mm-hmm. you can even make money like it wasn't even there's was no concept of it being a job never or a potential career and and like you know when it's you don't know if music's going to pan out um yeah you just you know it's like all right time to get on with life We're trying to you know do it and it's you know, I was look back in it, and it was a tough decision. It was not cool, like not easy. Um, it's hard to say what if because, you know, yeah. things came back around a little bit. But definitely it is It is something interesting. Like what, ha- what would happen if we just never stopped and kept grinding it and found a way? Right. Like hell, technology now, find a way.
0: Fuck um, yeah, I listen to Oliver Francis' podcast. Yeah. One video every month, and that the motherfucker blew crazy. up. That is crazy.
2: Like that's so crazy.
0: Um, but you go, you, okay, so you hit these yeah. two, jo- you get these jobs, they both fold because they're running out of money, right?
2: And so I, yeah, so doing that, and then um, like this is when, and so I mentioned this on one of my podcasts too. This was the first time where my first moment of like clarity and self awareness, I found myself like, like, like being a little bit more like, like struggling to like find purpose. Mm. And like find solitude or happiness from some things, and I found that there was two things that would only make me happy. And you know, for everybody that's different, but for me it was bitches and money. <laughs> no, <laughs> well, it no um, cars and clothes. Uh, I'll never like be serious. Kayla, like my wife. Okay. And video games, and so, and the reason why was my wife made took my mind off of it and made sh- made me think differently. And video games allowed me not to think anything at all. And so I'm a person that overthinks constantly. I'm always thinking. I have ADD. I know you do too. i like yeah. always thinking of ideas. Looking at everything gives me an idea for everything. Mm-hmm. But un- crazily, when I play video games, the one of the only activities I can do where I don't think about anything, it's fascinating to me. I don't know why, but that's just the way my brain is and so I don't even know if I actually like to play games I only like it because it
0: allows me to turn off my brain Yeah, it's just something to you know a stress reliever almost like Mm -hmm. instantly freezes you in time Mm -hmm. that's why I like being asleep (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's fine Um, getting asleep is hard and
2: so I realized like okay this is something I actually have like somewhat of a passion about because Mm -hmm. you know like sure everyone plays games to some capacity but games was the thing that was there for me when maybe nothing else was in the past. My time was always so jam packed. I never had downtime for Christ's sake. I told you the schedule for baseball, never had downtime ever. And you know, then I get into work and attention's diverted and I'm just making a bunch of stuff. Um, And then, you know, now we get into this, you know, you know, spot and, I you know I'm getting stressed out because of the, all right we're losing money all the time. Are we gonna even have a place to live in a month? And oh, wow, did we move out to to Colorado? Uh, was that a stupid idea? Like all those things,
0: super stressful. Yeah, left a decent um, job back home, yeah. like all this shit. Yeah, super Music, stressful
2: job. Totally. Um, and so you know played video games for a time, but then realized like this is interesting. And so now I had. Um, an opportunity and so I say failure like with failure like things here and there comes opportunity Mm -hmm. an opportunity to like reinvent myself a little bit and the three things kind of just like literally like felt like it was like fell in front of me I remember this very specific moment I'm sitting um, in the bedroom in Colorado and I am like sitting at my desk and I had my computer in front of me, and I was listening to music, and I was playing NCAA football. And I'm playing it, and I don't remember the song that was playing exactly, um, but I believe it was "The Good Life" by Kanye mm-hmm. right at the time. I think it was. I'm not sure. And the the game seemed to sync up with the music. And like in that moment, I was like, wait a minute. The three things that I really, really like to do come together. Play games, music, listen to music, good music, create music or versions of it, and make videos. And so I found myself in the position where I was like, wow, I have a uniqueness to create, to fuse three things together to make something completely new. and that's where the opportunity to that's me crazy. jumped up. And it was all based off of a like a time code instance where that seemed to like the hit like two hits happened in synchronicity with the beats. And I was like, Wow, that was kind of dope. And I was like, Wait a minute. Would videos be dope like would video game video like videos be good to like music? <laughs> like highlight video yeah, games. Yeah, highlight music. videos. Was that the first thing you did? It was the very first thing I did. They're still up on my channel right now. The very first videos I did were
0: highlight videos of video games cut to music. I remember you being gone and it was hard to get a hold of you because you were so fucking busy with these companies and we'd be trying to like Mm -hmm. hit you up for music advice and stuff and it would be impossible to get in, to get, and at the time when I introduced this podcast, I I said Marcus Frisky, AKA Marcus Aurelius, because that's his like code name that he went by. His, His stage name was Marcus Aurelius. Um, look them up. Yeah. Look up the original Marcus
2: Aurelius. The original, yeah.
0: But, when, at the time, I remember trying to get, you know, some Marcus Aurelius beats, we were trying to get on, you know, get that fire shit, and it was impossible to get a hold of you, and then randomly, I see you post online like, oh, I won this, like, tournament or something like, he started, he's talking about gaming. At the time, gaming on YouTube was not a thing, right? Mm -hmm. He just talked about how he was like one, you know, Mm -hmm. creating these highlight videos to music, off games, and it was so confusing. But I remember like being like, Damn, all right, we can't get Marcus to work on his music, but he's just he's like playing video games, I think, on YouTube or on Facebook or something like that. And it didn't make sense. And it was like irritating almost because I'm mm-hmm. like, Come on, fucking answer my shit. And you were over there, come up with some next level shit at the time, which ultimately got you. Because I like telling the story, you could tell me if I'm wrong because I always sure. tell people this shit. But At the point, he's at his lowest point, the final month, Mm -hmm. has no money, is trying to figure out, like, fuck, I'm about to be broke, and, like, what was this, all for nothing? It wasn't that dramatic. Go ahead. No, let's let it be. And then he's driving home, almost runs out of gas. No, it wasn't that bad. But he was (laughs) in a tough spot, and he's sitting there trying to support his girl and whatnot, Mm -hmm. and I remember you were going to come back and live at her parents' house in Iowa, wasn't that kind of the case? And you were almost driving home and got a call like, yo, if you come to Florida right now, you have a job. Kayla like went to yeah, i
2: love to make this like story. It's, it's a it's a feel good story. No, that's
0: like what happened. It's not what happened, but
2: um somewhat similar. So Yeah, what happened? All right. Um yeah, so we're out there, you know, it's it's a it's a grind to like to you know, like we're we're barely like um you know, we're living comfortably, but like frugally comfortably. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, you know, there's there's this concept of like, man, how much longer can this go on? Like this is two, three years, things aren't popping like we hoped it would be. Um, but this is a year and a half in the game of me making like, like video game videos. And EA like had took notice by this time um, because I had been... Uh, Creating stuff on YouTube but also they're getting posted on a couple different forum sites Operation Sports Tradition Sports Online those are like more common sports like gaming sites Mm. and so get like um, like under like known locally within those two areas Um, and then that led me to getting um, like kind of connection at Electronic Arts and saw my stuff and what I could do and they were like back then, like, social was still not a thing, which right. is crazy to think about it. YouTube was, like, it wasn't, like, even then, I'm thinking about this, like, I, you know, I was, I I, I remember, I have a, I think I have an NCAA video on my channel I posted in 2010, and it has 40,000 views, mm. 50,000 views, and back then, I was like, there's no concept of, like, making this career. Who wants to watch gaming videos? I'm just doing it for fun. I'm just doing it because I'm creating something of the three things that I love right. that I like, and it's something to kill time. It became I'm I'm able to escape just playing games, but then it became I'm able to escape, but also create through the things that I like to make, you know, one you know, uh, like a, instead of just making music only or just making videos only. I was able to merge these things together. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that, you know, that basically, um, got me the attention. And so, um, like let specific lesson there is, I mean, it really is like you do the job you want, not the one you have.
0: Yeah, that's fucking true.
2: And so I was literally already, I was making like video game, YouTube videos and so when the time come, hey, we need someone that can help us do this, you. We see that you've been doing it for years. Uh, people like and respect you, know who you are. We'll bring you in, meet you, talk to you, see if you're an actual competent human being or just some bum. Crackhead. <laughs> yeah. Or just some weird dude that, you know. But right, right. It wasn't the case, got in, um, and then... Um, You know, it was getting to the point where it's like, ah, like, gotta figure out what to do. Like, we gotta make a decision. Like, you know, we hoped that uh, at this point in time, had a hunch that um, there might be an opportunity from EA, but we didn't know when it would come. Um, And, you know, it'd been talked to, oh, well, it might come here for Texas. Oh, no, maybe not. And so it's like hard to plan and think, and so we're just kind of giving up a little bit. And so the concept was, okay, well, you know, if this isn't gonna work out, maybe just move back to Iowa. It wasn't move back to her parents' house. It was go back to Iowa, maybe admit a little bit of defeat. Didn't the failed experiment didn't work as well going to Colorado, mm. um, and in like one of the f- like the final months before we were like planning to kill the lease, he um, had called not for me a job. Crazy. And so it was like instant change. Then packed up stuff, did go to Iowa, and then I went down to Florida and then Kayla stayed with their parents for a few months. Uh, but it was a crazy year. Um, they, they always say that – so in, in uh, Hispanic culture, um, they always say when you turn – I think it's when you turn 30. Uh, I don't know. what is it? It doesn't – like when you turn 30, it's supposed to be a magical year or something like that, like crazy stuff is supposed to happen – um, uh, or something like that. And so, um, for me, I can remember how old I was specifically, I wasn't 30, but for me, like that was the, besides recently having a daughter, like that was like the year of like the birth of yeah, M, like M dot frisk, like right. who I am today because it's, uh, proposed to Kayla, uh, got married. Got a job offer to EA, moved to Florida, and like never turned back to like no no regrets no regrets to it was just like it seemed like everything fell into place um, and it was it was what it's supposed to be uh, everything felt right weirdly um, which you know it seemed to be a huge risk obviously a huge different like oh, hey, you gotta move but and, you know, maybe I think Kayla maybe felt that other way. But, like, deep down, I didn't feel like that at all. Right. I was like, perfect. Finally, I'm here. Five years from now, I'm going to be running this company. That, that, that was my, literally my attitude. Um you know, obviously that's, climbed a fucking ladder. Yeah. So I came in. I, I accepted a entry-level position. I, I was that, like, I was okay with, you know, coming in. And, like, you know what, I'm going to prove myself. I'm going to work hard. Um I'm going to show that I have a vision. Is the person that hired you still there? Uh no, he's at he's at uh, Nestlé now. He's the Nestlé? He has a VP of Digital at Nestlé. Oh, dope. Yeah. Good friend of mine. Yeah, I bet. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um
0: so then what, yeah. you know, what the next few years, what's that span like for you? Aggressive aggressive uh I guess you know, climbing the ladder and trying to get that position that you were talking about. I want to run this company. Yeah.
2: So before that, like when we talked about like, um, the, like the, I say phase one of like my awareness. And so, so Pharrell actually, he has this like amazing quote that I want to frame someday. Uh, um, and it was in that video, um, where he's talking to, that girl, I forgot her name, Maggie, that did that Alaska song. Where he listened to it, and so he goes to the he goes to this music school, and she plays this song for him, and he's like, like wow, like that was nuts. And then she went viral, and then she got like went I big from it. I will have to look it up. I have to look it up in the show notes. I'll post it in the show um, notes. Anyways, in that, yeah, <laughs> in that, yeah, in that, he says to her, he goes, um, and this is where the. the the first hint of uh, like being an icon like started to like mm. interest me. Yeah, um, He said, um, what I just heard was incredible because a lot of people run into these issues, a lot of creators and artists run into these issues because they try and be somebody else. But they don't realize that there was a person who created chocolate, and it was delicious. And there was a person who created peanut butter, and it was delicious. But then someone made the Reese's, and that man's a billionaire. Hell, yeah. And so, um, yeah. And so, uh, like, that quote, I feel like, is what it means to be an icon. Hmm. It is to find, this, like, the unique things that you really, really... Like, passionately love and to blend them together, to speak your truth, to be you, to find the experiences and things you love and like find a way to make them work. And so, for me, the first time was okay, I have a unique love and background for music. I love to, you know, make videos, went to school for it, and video games is like something that I feel like I can escape those three things to independently are things I will do. If someone asked me to do them all day, every day, I would do it. I would love to do it. And to bring them together was like a like a really unique, like niche type of way to like, really like kind of operate against the things that I really cared about. Um, and like that's where that whole concept of like being an icon comes. And so for for everybody listening, like really try and think what are the things that you really really love? And is there a way to combine them? I guarantee there is. And to be honest, if there if you see that there's nobody doing it, that's even better. Like you, you I think about like what what you know, a lot of people talk about uh like Casey Neistat and like what he's done to vlogging. He took, honestly, the same concept. He took this concept of reality television and you, like YouTube and merged it with film. And so he took something completely new. Um, he made something completely new and different based off of the things that he cared about mm-hmm. and then made a bunch of clones. And when you think about like, people that are iconic, that set a movement, that's usually what they do. They find things that are completely new, blend them together, fuse them together to make something also completely new and revolutionizes like where we're at and in it, you know in a certain way that you know that medium or genre is like characterized by. Um, and so for everyone that posts you know, a video that looks like yours or a video that looks like Casey Neistats in the black with no cream, um you know, group chat, really think about, are you trying to create something that you think looks good or you think people will think it looks good? Mm -hmm. Um, And like, you know, like try and articulate from yourself. Um, I've realized that even myself too, the things I like to create, the way I like to create, I like, like cut to music, like heavily, heavily influenced by music i start with music first actually Mm -hmm. uh secondly um i like uh, a very specific uh, pairing of shots um from basically wide to close i don't know i just like i like being able to go from close up to wide close up to wide I, i feel like it tells a good story that brings people in um and then drone shots here and there just if they look good but that's besides the point. Yeah, yeah. Um, And, uh, but th- more from a cinematic standpoint. And then also, I like voiceovers from documentaries. And so everything I make...
0: I know, I was just gonna say that, that, this, uh, all comes, bleeds through in your videos. Mm-hmm. Which I, there's a great fucking transition because yeah. you do start, you, you've you had your channel and, and then you started... A second channel. So, in your first channel, it was cool because you were like, yo, I'm going to make like short documentaries of just something that happens. So, that was the so it's so
2: the that was actually the second channel. The first channel is M. first channel. True. Because M. that's first. how EA found me. Hmm. because of gaming videos. But I didn't want gaming videos to just be the definition of me and so i made the second one that's just like my channel just me my name um and then yeah just like you said i wanted to be able to i wanted to be able to challenge myself i, I think that the and i think uh, uh andrew said it and this is why i was like my man he said it <laughs> on the podcast he said test how good of a storyteller you are by sh- trying to tell a story without dialogue mm and so I was I always wanted to get better and be better at visual storytelling. And so the first, you know, 5 to 10 videos I made were no dialogue. It was all just shots and music. And can I draw the emotion and tell the story that I want only with that? Um partly because I thought it was really interesting and I wanted to challenge myself, but like also it didn't like the sound of my voice.
0: Yeah, I know that was a big struggle for you. Yeah,
2: yeah, it it was an insecurity that I held back for quite a long time.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I was pissed when you told me that because I'm like, dog, just shut, just shut I up know. and talk, bro," because it's shit's tight. But you did, and you started making these like very cool and inspirational video. Like my favorite one was, uh, and maybe it was your first one was your baseball story. Yeah. And you you made like a really cool, quick cinematic Mm -hmm. video where you talked about baseball. Yep. And that shit was fucking sick. And that channel was sick. And what you post on there is really inspirational. And then at the same time, you're also growing this gaming channel. And now have like tested it to prove that it's possible to gain a following by just committing yourself and delivering content. And even sometimes you're like, yo, it takes me an hour. I spend an hour out of my day.
2: That's the that's the thing I tell everyone. Uh, I, I there's two things I will say: an hour a day for the rest of your life is the real is the thing. Like, try and commit to create something for an hour a day, and you might not finish it. But I think it's really interesting this concept of like if you aren't If you do, if you speak your truth, share your experiences, like do you and not try and be somebody else. And if you do it for an hour a day and you start it and you end it, and no matter where it's at, you just end it and post it, I guarantee you'll get to where exactly you want to get. For sure. Because at first, it is not about how perfect your stuff is. It's about are you doing it and getting better? Like, are, are you learning? Are you finding mistakes? Are you getting inefficiencies? Are you, you know, are, hey, I don't even, man, I want to know how to speed ramp. I don't know how to speed ramp. And then you go figure out how to do it. But then you're learning a new skill. And then you're testing yourself to do it over and over. And then it's just the, the practice at first is the most important thing, the repetition. Mm-hmm. It's not only until later that when you start actually getting feedback from, like, not people that you know, friends, family, but, like, random people that you can actually, like, start to make stuff that I think is impactful because oh, yeah. it's tough to get, like, true feedback from people
0: sometimes. Um, but, yeah, so that's... um. My, where do you see yourself going in the next five years?
2: Uh, It's a great question. So, for me, I think uh, it's off of one insight. So... Uh, I think five to ten years from now, actually ten years from now, this will be a fact. Everybody in the world will be a creator because everybody in the world has grown up most of their life with that, their phone. Mm -hmm. They will have been on Instagram and Snapchat and Twitter and maybe they're on YouTube for a lot of their life. The creators that will exist in ten, fifteen years from now will be better than any of us by far, because they will have had then ten thousand hours in before they've even hit college. Crazy, and some of those people won't even know what they want to do with their life yet. That's what's really be interesting, because then what will happen is kind of, and I'll go back to what Casey's done for vlogs and what Gary V's done for entrepreneurs. Someone will do it for the first dentist vlogger or creator, the first teacher for the creator. The first like and it's not just someone who will do it and they have a local following I'm talking an icon yeah for sure someone to like stand out and be the guy or the or the girl that really popularizes it popularizes it and propels it into you know mainstream culture mm. like it's just gonna happen every profession is gonna have some form of creator associated with it and they will spawn a whole new set of creators that like our clones that many clones that want to be with them because they have a passion for the same things that they have a passion for. So how do you um, fit into that world? So how do I fit in that world? I believe um, I have that opportunity and I've said this to you before about my specific what I'm preparing my everything I'm doing for um, I am one of the only people in the entire games industry that actually is a creator myself that grew, got here the way I have got still do it currently um and ha- like have a story to tell mm. um i'm 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 slowly like testing and like the limitations of me personally um i have like a lot of the knowledge and information on what to do the technology obviously the skill to be able to do it is just time and um you know the plan yeah and so for me, you know, and to to put it loosely, uh the oppor- the opportunity for me is to be someone to be iconic and propel um what it means to be a be a creator in the entertainment industry uh into a more, you know, um specific uh like notable um stance mm-hmm. because my story is unique. My story is uh, interesting it's relatable and you know anyone can do it hell yeah like i mean anyone can do it
0: like it's no nah, fuck with that we we had made i just want to highlight these moments before i forget them there was a time when we were in college or you were in college i was in high school and apple created a film festival Mm. And I think I might have talked about this with Tim Dodd in our earlier yeah, podcast, but it was hilarious because we wanted to enter this film festival that Apple put on where you could win MacBook Pros and all this shit. Whatever, the prize was sick, and so we wanted you had to make like a short film using all these little specific things. And we made a short film called "Robin Goes to College," mm-hmm. and it is terrible if you watch so it. So cringe! I can't believe we thought it was so good too. We thought it was amazing good at the guy. time. We Marcus had like. Access to the university. We were able to check out the cameras that they had there. Uh, they had, like, the JVC, like, I don't even know the models. Oh, God. The DV tapes that they look like skate cams. They were fucking sick. And I thought it was just like, oh, my God, I have access to all yeah. that shit. And we made Robin Goes to College. And Marcus played the role of the... uh Like the attendant. The Yeah, who was the... What's that shit called? Where you live in the dorm... Like, I don't even know. You're like a student but you are in charge of the dorm floor, but yeah. he like walks in and he's on there. But we lost. But yep. you know, that's another L that you have to take mm-hmm. plan on next year, and then they don't throw the contest the next year because they probably realize how much money they lost on product that they were giving out for free. But we did that, which was sick. We made music together, which was mm-hmm. sick. And we've made fucking videos now, like global like million views. Plus. yeah I
2: think the um, so to talk about that like um it's funny like there there's um like i never and i i think maybe the way I took it lightly like when I moved um like i never th- i never was like, oh, this is the end, I'm never gonna work with Ben again, never thought that ever mm-hmm. I always knew that we would come back together in so much shape for us didn't know how um and so it it is, it is kind of like weird to me. I was literally talking about that with Bud today, mm-hmm. and he was like, "Oh, how do you know? How do you know Ben?" And I was like, "Well, we did a ton of stuff together, and then we went like separate ways to try and make it. And then, ironically, it's bringing us now back into the same space. Um, you know, the paths are are colliding back again. And you might look at it and be like, oh, we should have never, never.' But yeah." Um, Everything now added up to now now the, the amount. i i think collectively like the the about like sure they're colliding back together, but like the amount of connections and networking that individually we have or even like the the amounts of experiences we have are um like they're not like they don't overlap right completely it's crazy. different so um it's really interesting to me um but yeah I think the the um i i uh, I said this the other night, but i want the I want the schooled reunion I want to return <laughs> gotta get by if you're listening by and uh Nate and, and Chuck
0: Nate. and fucking Mars and the whole band that'd be tight hmm I think our last show that we played together um was we played with chance the rapper that was sick at at uh, Ames University and then I think the last show we really played together was, uh, the hub, the local venue in our town closed down. So we played like the final show, one of the final shows, second to last show, I think fucking sold it out, made it lit and then that shit closed. And then, yeah, one by one, it's just, you know, real life comes for someone and you Mm -hmm. have to knock on it. And I just wasn't ready to make that happen. And I was cool with living the way I was living which was in my parents' basement with yeah. making money when I needed it by shooting videos. And I would have been
2: 100% too if I wasn't for Kayla, to be yeah. honest. I, there, there's part of me that would just wonder that, like, all right, would I even have left? Because like, I, I probably would have been cool, like, just kind of trying to push as long as possible, but it's a little bit different when you got to, like, think about life long term. So, yeah, but I don't know. It's hard to tell. It's I crazy. I don't even, even know.
0: Um. I want to ask you questions. Oh, yeah, let's do it. Can I do that? Yeah. So, just in case people don't listen to this, I always, i yeah. the private group, which you're a member of, mm-hmm. Black Window Cream, yep. um, I basically tried to post about you prior and sure. told people that they could ask you whatever they wanted to fucking ask you. So, let's see what we got. Riley Lupin says, yeah. <laughs> and he says, I think you should play some old Marcus Aurelius. Pretty sure I fucked up how he spells it, beat. Yeah. And then he did the praise sign. Yep. Maybe I... Maybe I'll end this. Normally I end it with a different beat, but I'll play it. maybe I'll Dude, play it some Marcus.
2: I've uh so here I've got a I was doing some cleaning a couple months ago and I came across my old uh iPod it has every single B I've ever made on it. Damn. It's the last remnant of all of that and I'm just like
0: I got hard drives with all the shit that you sent me. So oh, you do? I okay. definitely got that shit all saved. Right. Um, you should extract it from that iPod before it I fucking fails because they never work for me when I found my <laughs> old iPods.
2: Yeah, but, uh, so. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah, he's got mad music. You can find it too if you, you look hard d- enough. Dude,
2: throw some of them tracks on this on this podcast.
0: I fucking will. Uh, yeah. Parker Nyquist says, Dumb man! Yeah, I'll park. Shout out to Parker. Um, Ronnie Hurst, he says, Marcus, one, you have to eat all food for the rest of your life with one condiment. Mustard, mayonnaise, or ketchup. Which is funny we were just talking about ketchup. Right? Oh Jesus.
2: Yeah. I mean it's gotta be ketchup, I guess. Yeah. I don't like I I don't like condiments at all. I would say zero condiments if I had a choice. Fucking weirdo. I know. Hot sauce? No. Hmm. I'll do ketchup if I have to.
0: Okay. Ketchup is the answer. Um, you have an uncanny ability to understand how the landscape of social platforms and marketing are changing what are some things people can do to attempt to stay educated in these fields? This is also from Ronnie.
2: Sure. Okay. Um, That's a good question. That was a good question. Uh, Great question. The, it's, it's going to sound so silly to say this. Uh, It's like incredibly silly to say this, but be, be a consumer, like be aware of what you're doing in your life. Hmm. like, what do you pay attention to? What do you not pay attention to? What are you doing when a commercial gets on on television? What do you do? What do you th- Look, answer that for me.
0: iPhone X is coming out. I'm like, "Cool, I'm a pre-order that bitch. What's new about the iPhone X?" No idea.
2: <laughs> well, sure. You could say that if you're actually Set. if you're actually like gra- like grabbing what they're saying. Oh, no,
0: when a regular commercial comes on, like just fucking getting on Instagram.
2: Exactly, your phone. Yeah. So why would you know as a as a marketer as a brand why would you even spend millions of dollars on that
0: commercial TVs. when
2: everyone looks here. Mm-hmm. So that's what I mean like so in terms of social like uh, like be curious and understand what you're doing as a person. And so I think about the things that have attention right now like people are spending time on. Um, Instagram, Twitter, not as much Twitter, but Instagram, uh, YouTube, uh, but also Netflix, mm-hmm. Hulu, Amazon Prime, Twitch, you know, Periscope, you know, that type of stuff. Um, and you'll start to. Those are obviously the the main ones, but um, every now and then you'll hear about something that's you know kind of coming. It's just like, it'll pique your interest. He'll have some sort of story about it. Mm. And what I do is I'll jump into it and I'll try and like really digest it and then try and think really like objectively, what are the pros and cons of this thing? Like would people use it? Why would they not use it? And so I'll give you two examples. So Anchor, which you're aware of, Mm -hmm. Never seen an app like Anchor before. It's like the Instagram of micro podcasting. When I started to use it, it doesn't have the massive attention yet. But I started to use it, and I was like, "This has potential. Like this could be it." And I didn't really get on it. I just kind of had it. You know, you talked about, you know, um, Scotty. Um, Scotty has on there. Perspective. And then yeah, plug always plug. Yeah, always plug. And then I heard that Anchor got. It's like a couple million in venture capital. And I was like, okay, it's time now, mm. which means that they hit their first benchmark to be able to get funding, which means that they're showing progress and success. And they're now going use that money to make it better, but also to market it. Mm-hmm. And so my initial thought was like, okay, just like stock, you buy in when it's low and you hope it rises high. And so I've I've made somewhat of a living trying to buy in low on everything and try and ride the wave to get high. One of the first on Vine, you were too, but we gave up, another problem. Yeah. One of the first on YouTube, we gave up, yeah. problem there. Instagram, one of the first on Instagram, saw the value of it, gave yeah. up. Crazy. We'll be damned if we'll let that happen to us again. And so if you see value in something and you feel like you're getting in, it, it's really difficult to to, like, commit and be like, all right, I, you know, you go hard at this, like, make it work, because you're not seeing the return yet. But it's like a snowball. It's like those steps. You know, you could walk one day, and you'd be like, oh, I'm nowhere. But then, you know, cup three, four months down the road, you're like, wow, I've actually left the state of California. And you're like, wow, I'm making progress. Yeah. And you, it won't feel like, it won't feel like anything's happening until it happens. And that's, unfortunately, what people miss out on Right, for and sure. the people that are crazy enough to think or love it so much are the ones that benefit mm-hmm. like I mean I asked um, I asked Rudy and batch about that and they were just like oh you know it's great like there's never a concept about not doing it because it was like an easy way to make something uh, vine and shit mm-hmm. yeah vine was an easy way to make something like it wasn't hey make a long video YouTube video with tons of editing.
0: Which uh, some of them were batch was doing mm-hmm. that prior to V. He was doing prior mm-hmm. prior. And
2: but it also wasn't like it it was just it was the perfect format for them. It was it removed all excuses. You had to do all the editing in the phone. It was only six seconds. It was like you have to be completely lazy to not
0: <laughs> Yeah, just to not do it. <laughs>
2: to not do this. And you know, like as long as you have the talent, yeah, of course. I yeah, wish they had. They do have. Um, And then it obviously evolved over time, but, um, but yeah. So it, I think I think something like that's interesting. So when you're looking at social networks, is do, do, are people using it? Does it have attention? Use it yourself. Do you see it working or not? Does there pros mm-hmm. or their cons? Um, and honestly, if you believe in it, and then you're buying low, commit. Fuck yeah! And because play the long game. Yeah, play the long game, and it's gonna get exhausting. There's gonna be a world where you're like, "Damn, I gotta post to Musically, Snapchat, Instagram Stories, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and this new app." Right. But like, that's the grind. That's the hustle. Like mm-hmm. I said, it's the race to 100k.
0: Yeah, he's been saying that.
2: It's the yeah. <laughs> it's the every every creator's on a on a race to 100k. It's do whatever you can on as many channels as you can. And then the first one you get to 100K, dump everything into that and it will fuel the rest of the channels. Yeah. But until you get there, it, there just isn't enough there. And so for me, like, yeah, it's like I got two Twitter accounts, two Instagram accounts uh, on Anchor, on Snapchat, on Musically, uh, two YouTube accounts,
0: a fucking family, a child, mm-hmm. and, a full time job. job. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: And you cannot like, you got to have this evergreen strategy to the way that you create where you create one source and then that has a way to then permeate to everything else. Mm -hmm. So if you make, if YouTube's your main thing, then you want to, you want to highlight for stories swipe up. Yeah. You want to then take maybe a still thumbnail off for Twitter or a, funny screen grab or make a meme out of it right like when you lose whatever uh for snapchat maybe you want to document like a oh, long night editing checking me i'm almost done with this edit you know yeah, part yeah, of yeah. your story like there's a way to you just gotta like know that you have a sensor piece of content that then fuels everything else mm. And it makes it so much easier.
0: Not fuck yeah, I completely. But if you agree. try
2: and create an individual piece of content for each, you will lose. Yep.
0: So play the long game. Gavin Moody says, Marcus, what steps would someone take to get noticed by EA? How did you begin yours?
2: Yeah, so we talked about today. Okay. It's do the job you want, not the one you have. Um, like I, I'll, I, I'll, I'll, I asked, I literally asked this to someone at work. Um, they were like. Um, that's spe- like, specifically I was like, would you, would you hire Casey Neistat to be on, on the video team at EA? And everyone was like, yeah, no brainer. Why not? And I'm like, well, why? And they're like, I don't know. Cause he's got like eight million subscribers and got <laughs> millions of views. And I'm like, but there's people that create better content than him. Mm. All over. So yeah. why? And they're like, well, like, what do you mean? We see his work. We know what he can do for us. We know what we're getting. And I was like, there it is. Yeah. That's it. Like creating, you're not just creating to like build a following, like build a brand, like it's like fulfill a personal desire. You're creating a body of work. That someday, just like we talked about all that matters, you're going to be able to look at your kids and be like, I made this. Mm-hmm. And you think about all the videos uh, that like anyone could make. There's a body of work that someone can point to and be like, this is what I've done for my life or in my career or in this time frame. And th- that speaks volumes because it shows... Uh, dedication, consistency, passion, talent, and like p- growth—super growth. You sh- you see the first terrible video, you see the recent epic film, and you somewhat get to live that journey with that person, and you just naturally get to—you feel like you know who that is. Right. And so people high people don't like to take risks, especially in the corporate world. EA does not like to take risks. The interview process is always challenging everywhere. And sometimes people have the job before they even like come in to get interviewed based off of what they've actually done. Yeah. And so to get noticed is
0: just do. Do. Every day. Keep creating. Every day. Fuck yeah. If you
2: want to work for Red Bull, do the work that Red Bull's doing yeah. every single day. I, yeah. They'll find you. For sure, 100%. It's just the just the way it is. Like you have a similar story. Like, you just did what you wanted to be recognized for, and mm-hmm. just like like Andrew said, if you stay ready, you never have to get ready. And your portfolio was literally your social media channels. Yeah, and that's what pe- if people don't think they get hired from that, they're crazy. They're fucking ludicrous. Yeah, like when we were for like. You know, when we were like first getting you to work on stuff, I was like, Ben, send me your reel. And I was like, all right, this is Ben. Here's his reel. Here's the social stuff. Everyone's like, cool. All right, good. Looks good to me. There was no, like, I need to talk to him or anything like that. It was just like, stuff looks dope. Whatever. That was it. People get hired from their online
0: personas. Yeah, aesthetic for sure. That's why I posted the... the Chris Brown video that I just did mm-hmm. at his album release and Donnie called me, he's like, You're an influencer now. We're gonna have you come do this influencer thing <laughs> in Venice. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. I showed up with the least amount of subscribers yeah. on YouTube. You know what I mean? And yep, I personally fucking love my video I made, but yeah, it had the it lowest good. amount of views. That's cool. So he gives a shit? The shit was tight. Yeah. Um, this is a we. this I this question. I don't want this to be the last one. Grayson Turner asks, Yo, ask about skate three. Uh, he's talking about Skate 4, Skate 3 is a
2: current Um, This is a common, up. this is a common question everybody asks. Don't, don't,
0: even, you don't even have to go into this one.
2: I honestly have no idea. Like I'm not in the development team, so I don't even
0: know. Yeah, you have to ask the dev team. Yep. Um, mm, I, yeah. I was refreshing Black, Widow Cream to see if there was a new one since I started, but I lost it. Um, what is Hafrican?
2: African. So uh, this is a good story. So when I went to college in California, uh, a friend of mine, Jamie Miller, uh, him and I uh, are both uh, half black, half white. And we're only two on the team like that. And like we all we like kind of bonded together and randomly we're like we're like someone was like. Like, in in when you get into California, you're like, what are you? Are you, like, Hawaiian? Are you Hispanic? Like, what the hell are you? And we were like, oh, we're half black, half white. And it just got so redundant that we're just like, yeah, we're half African. We're half African. <laughs> and then it just became this thing that people thought was hilarious. Yeah. And they were like, oh, that's funny. it's funny. And so Jamie actually then got two T-shirts printed off as a joke because everyone thought we were the same person. Cause they're racist. That's hilarious. And it's and I still have it. It's, and we both have It's African and number one, number two <laughs> on the back of the shirt. That's fucking mm-hmm. tight. And so that's where that all started. And then um it just it was like an interesting phrase that you know yeah. it was like it's somewhat of the identity. Um It's still do- it's stole for multi- multiculturalism really. Yeah. So.
0: Uh, you ended up making shirts and shit. I mm-hmm. would always get them in like double XL because I was so tight and just wear African shirts around my white ass. And people are always like, what the fuck is that shirt about? And yeah. I'm like, oh, my friend's half white and half black. And yeah. I like this shirt. <laughs> that shirt yeah. was so tight. Mm-hmm. And you said it's all about the love movement. Which is another thing on multiculturalism. Mm.
2: Like, so for me growing up, I grew up in a um, predominantly white neighborhood. Yeah. Um, when I was growing up, I had kids call me a wigger. <laughs> De- I'm dead serious. That was crazy. But like, I don't know how to react as a young kid. Like, well, I don't even know what that is, but it's clearly not a good thing. Right. Um, and I, you know, so the love movement was all about like love people for who they are. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, like the way I was thinking about it then is the way that the world is now. Like, self-expression. It's cool to be who you are, not to be somebody else. Right. That's what that was about. Love yourself for who you are. Love other people for who they are. Not race, like sexual orientation, all of that. Right. Not because whatever, they conform or whatever, you know. And so that, like, I I do believe one day it'll make a triumphant return. I wear it in a lot of my videos and people at, like, all the time. Like, yo, when's African's coming back? I want to buy a shirt. Yep. When's the African merch coming? Still. It's fucking tight. It'll make it come back at just the right time.
0: Yeah. Make it make the right time. Well, shit, dude. We just hit two hours. <sighs> yeah. This is a good one. It's good. No, I fucking love this one. Yeah, it's a good one. Usually, if we get pretty far in the podcast, which we always do because podcasts are long, I'll allow you to come up with a, a hashtag. So, if anyone's listening right now, sure. I want them to tweet at me and marcus hashtag
2: dots d zero
0: zero oh sorry d o t s hashtag dots hashtag dots if you made it this far yep which you'll understand who that is if you surf on and subscribe to marcus's uh mm-hmm. his gaming channel and you can catch him talking about uh what game 2k Primarily. no definitely not 2k or wait the baseball one <laughs>
2: <laughs> just gaming in general gaming like, in general
0: um yeah. But you yeah, kind of yeah. got your buzz off of the baseball game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was what game?
2: Uh, MLB the
0: show. MLB the show. Yeah. yeah.
2: Um, but yeah, the 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 crew which is just called the Dots. The Dots. I didn't even come up with the name. They came up with it. The, that's so that's what's cool finance. about it. So I want to I, I definitely want to talk about that real fast. So Go for it. Like I I literally just made this podcast, but I was making a video about it that I wanted to post from this trip. And it was like, all right, how do you create? How do you vlog? What are the three char- characteristics of vlogging? And because I was in Los Angeles, uh, I said that vlogging is like going to Los Angeles. Or like people watch vlogs because they, just like they go to Los Angeles, they go to find something or to escape from something. Mm-hmm. And they also want human connection. And the human connection is the part that like, I want to talk about. I find that the most powerful thing That I've, and this goes back to that whole concept of being a curator. Like, I'm hanging multiple pieces of works of art in uh, a museum for people to experience, and I get to see their reaction and get their live feedback. But there's this weird dimension that the museum analogy doesn't work, which is the curator actually takes responsibility in communicating on behalf of the art to Mm -hmm. the consumer or to the listener, viewer, watcher. Right, right. And so what happens is you get this weird sense of art lovers uh, coming to the museum not just to see good art but to stand next to people who like art and talk to the person that hung it up because they know that they have common interests. Right. It makes them feel a part of something. makes them... It's community. Yes, yeah. I mean you're you're nail on the head of black with no cream. Um, so my my specific uh, community um, is are incredible. Like they uh, they call they named themselves. Like there's literally a group chat that I created that I put the the core ones that are always show up respond on every video, watch every video, comment on everything, share, like, they're a little army that go out and, like, they're literally pushing, they're like, they're like a street team. That, Crazy. The dots. The dots. The and, fucking dots. And they like, they'll go raid other people's streams They're like, yo, yo, we're gonna go on this guy's stream or we're gonna just go dot, dot, dot into it. That's because tight. they want people to know who I am. 'Cause they want me to grow.
0: That's crazy. It's
2: really cool. And so it's like, um you you kind of forget when you're creating that you're not just like you we're so selfish that we think we're creating for ourselves. That's not the case. Like we're creating for somebody else. Hell yeah. And so when you like truly like recognize that and understand that, you're like actually creating for somebody else to experience. Mm-hmm. That's why I think the museum Works really well mm. because you're not that artist hanging the painting. Like you think, like as a creator, you think you're the you're the person that's hanging the painting, but you're not. You're hanging. You're creating an experience for someone to then enjoy, talk about, and come back and want to come back and want to talk to you about what they experienced and share it. Um, and yeah, that's that's what, like what they do. And I've I've done everything I possibly can to cultivate that. Um, And it's tough and it's exhausting and it takes time. It's real work. But, you know, there's, you know, 30, 50 people that are just diehards. Crazy. And the chat's going nuts all day. And they're sharing stuff and throwing me ideas. Hey, you should make this. Like, hey, do this and that. It'd be great if you did this. And, hey, this person did this. What do you think? And they're just, it's really cool. That is really dope. And so, it's one of the best uh, feelings you can get.
0: The race to 100K.
2: <laughs> race to 100K. Um, so. Well. Yeah.
0: That shit was fucking amazing. Damn. It's now 3 a.m. 3.10 a.m. Damn. I'm going to be up in three hours. Fuck. Yeah. How can they find you? Uh, Jeez. Um my man's hit 100K. Jeez, yeah.
2: Uh, so, I mean, Twitter. I'll, I'll link all your shit yeah, yeah. in the show notes. It's, so, uh, it's just at Marcus Frisky, everything, at M.Frisk, everything.
0: So, follow both of the channels, shoot them a message. Yeah. Hashtag dots.
2: Yeah, I mean, let me know I can help. Like I said, my purpose on this earth um, is to help. Uh, I found that. Um, I Sure, I love to create. But, you know, in the same way that, you know, you might get the sense of accomplishment in, like, seeing someone like your content that you've made, I feel the same way about being able to impact and help someone create something that's dope. Um, you know, like, I, I there's, there's a couple people that I've been working with a lot lately, um, and I've seen incredible growth, like, You got to meet, did you ever meet or talk to Mighty Goat? Probably. I'm so bad with names. Sure. Um, He got 100,000 subscribers in a year.
1: Hmm. Crazy.
2: Yeah, crazy. He, you know, we talked a lot. He took a lot of feedback. He tried, he experimented. He bought into this concept of building a community. He bought into this idea of of quantity is quality not quantity over quality or quality over quantity, just quantity is quality. That you set the bar for quality, and if you can meet that bar with whatever time frame you can commit every single day, then do that at scale. Mm. And he determined that his audience is okay with a certain quality, and he was able to scale that to make two, three videos a day. And he did it for a year.
0: Two or three videos a day for a year. Fuck.
2: But changed life. I like bet he went from like, man, I got to go get a job to I'm all set. What now frisk? <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs> how do I, how do I make more money? And like that, that, like just that conversation, literally I talked to him about this the other day. I was like that conversation a year ago is like profound.
0: Yeah, for sure. Like,
1: you
2: know, it's just wild. So anything can happen in a year and yeah. like so much can happen in a year. Um, I'll, I talked to Peter McKinnon about that man. Mm-hmm. He got a million subscribers in nine months. Yeah, for Christ's That's sake, fucking crazy. And you know, he of course had a viral video that helped him really jump out of the gates. But still, he did the work and he showed up and stayed with and, it. Stayed and stuck with it. And it, I thought that was a really inspiring too. And everyone has their own path to get there. Um, and you know, so. if if anyone wants like hey, critique my channel. Uh, shoot me a link and I'll tell you what I see. I'll tell you what you need to do, what you need to improve on. I'll be brutally honest, but that's what I think everybody needs. That's what that's what everybody wants deep down, but is sometimes afraid to hear.
0: And order now for 99.99 and we'll fucking give you a nope, free free, a I'll free, all free. Crazy, dude. I'm not charging any of this. All right. Hit them up. Appreciate it, dude. That shit was great. Yeah. Love you, dog. That's it. How do you want to end it?
2: I don't know. I can end it.
0: (laughs) That's it. Yeah.
2: Bye. Peace. Let's go get food. In and out? Sleep.
0: In and out. Fuck. All right, later. Bye, 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 bye. That's it for episode number 14 with Marcus Frisky. Thank you for tuning in and listening. Make sure to follow Marcus on all platforms. You can find all the links to his social shit in the show notes, which you can go find at blackwindowcream.com podcast. Leave a review on iTunes and let me know what you loved about this interview. If you're interested in joining the Black Window Cream private group for creators, visit bwnc.com join. And last but not least, buy some fucking ill-ass merch. Every sale helps me keep this thing alive. Subscribe to Black window Cream. New episode every single Sunday. See you next week, you bitch! bitch.